Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. Uh, we are in Indianapolis, and we heard from Kevin Stefanski today. Um, you know what? I want to start here. I just want to give this a, let's just go on the record here with, with this topic. Kevin Stefanski again declined to say who's calling the plays. We've talked about it a little bit. I don't know that we've ever just jumped in right off the top of a podcast and, and made it like the subject of the pod. So Mary Kay, I know you have a, a strong opinion on this. Um, we're going to get to some other things that Kevin talked about today, Deshaun and all of that, but let's just, I know you think Kevin Stefanski should call plays. So, so why do you think that is? You know, I just think that, you know, Ken Dorsey is walking into a situation where everybody is new on this offensive staff. And then you've got Deshaun Watson coming off of a shoulder surgery. Nobody knows how that's going to go. They're basically rebuilding the offense. If they're not completely rebuilding it, they're certainly retooling it, bringing in influences from all over the place. So everything's going to be new. Everything's going to be different. And there's going to be a learning curve. And there is some continuity with Kevin knowing the terminology, knowing the scheme, knowing what he wants to do, knowing Deshaun, and also knowing his personnel, knowing how David Njoku reacts in a certain situation, knowing how Amari Cooper can go down and make a contested catch. I mean, he knows how these guys are going to react in the heat of the moment. And Ken Dorsey doesn't know any of that yet. If Kevin wants to turn it over in week six or seven and says, have at it, then fine. But I just think that it's going to take too much effort to get this right in the beginning, and Kevin should have that on his plate. I think we're all on the same page on this. I mean, we're four years into this thing. You know, it's going to be year, year five already under Kevin Stefanski. And Ashley, he's always kept the play calling. I mean, it's it's been a topic a lot of off seasons. It's always come up. And and I know it's different now because Ken Dorsey's in the building and he was a play caller in Buffalo. So that, that changes the dynamic of the discussion a little bit. But Kevin has never really felt compelled to turn over play calling before now. I don't know why... He would suddenly just do it now. And if it was something that Ken was like, I'm only coming here to call plays, I feel like we would know that already. We'd know that Ken was the guy doing it. So I'm I'm with Mary Kay on this. I think Kevin should be the play caller. I I like that consistency out of the head coach. I like the the stability it brings to an organization when you just know who that guy's going to be year year to year. Um, So, And I don't think there's a reason for him to give it up. 
Yeah, you know, I do think because of, in part, how Ken Dorsey's tenure ended in Buffalo, right, with him getting fired mid-season because of the turnovers and things like that, I do think there's valid, you know, concern there, too, when it comes to do you want to hand over the play calling right away when there's all these unknowns, like Mary Kay was saying, on top of having just a new guy in charge of the offense. So I think that's part of it. It's not the same deal as if they had gone out and pushed really hard, for example, to hire a Kellen Moore, right? That's a guy who's going to come in and probably isn't going to take the job unless you're going to let him call the plays. I don't think Ken Dorsey kind of has that same ability to make a demand like that, just knowing how his last tenure ended. But at the same time, it's like, That is not what they need necessarily from Ken Dorsey right now. And Kevin talked about a lot of this today. It's not that the play calling has necessarily been a problem, but they just seem right now to really value getting new perspectives, getting new ideas in there on offense. I mean, Kevin rattled off, you know, so many different things about Ken Dorsey today and his background and knowing the, you know, Bill O'Brien system from when he worked for Dable and how they both worked in Norb Turner's system. Like there's all these crisscrossing connections that it's kind of like that it's always sunny in Philadelphia meme with Charlie Day and the red string behind him connecting all these different things. That's what I'm thinking of when you think about all these different backgrounds and how they can kind of converge into a team getting new ideas for their offense. I think that's what's most important. Yeah, and then it's kind of Kevin's job to bring that all together in a coherent script, calling plays. I think he's really good at at having a sense of what to call when. I mean, obviously, you can nitpick any play caller. If Ken Dorsey were the play caller, he would get criticized for his... It's just the nature of the beast. Like, if you are the play caller, it's going to get criticized. People are going to second-guess you. It's, It's how it works in the NFL. I think Kevin has done a really good job, and... I feel like he's sort of has found a rhythm and even though he's changing the staff, Mary Kay, and here's how I want to handle the quarterback coach position. Sometimes we have a real quarterback coach. Sometimes we don't. Here's how I want to handle the offensive coordinator. You're in charge of the offense, but on game days, just like Andy Reid on game days, I'm going to have the, I'm going to be in the quarterback's ear. That's how I want it to be. I just feel like he's got a really good idea, even with different personnel, sort of how he wants this to operate. Well, he does. And some of that comes from experience. He's now called plays for four years here, and then he called plays for one full season in Minnesota, and then another, I can't remember, two or three games the season before that. So he's got at least double the, more than double the experience that Ken Dorsey has at this chore, and the longer you do it, the better you get at it. So I think that's another thing. If Ken Dorsey were coming in here and had called plays for the last 10 years all over the NFL, that's another story. If he had called all those plays when he was with Cam Newton and called all of those plays when he was with Josh Allen, then it might be harder to retain that chore for Kevin Stefanski. But he's got so much more experience than Ken does. And again, just that notion of uh, you know really having to pull together all these different factions, all these different philosophies, people, ideas, and personnel It's just too much to hand it over to Ken Dorsey when he's still, you know, drinking from a fire hydrant right now. (laughs) Well, and and Ken's essentially the quarterback's coach, too. Like, that's that's a big job. So now you've got to be the offensive coordinator and the play caller and the quarterback's coach. Like, it just, I don't know, it just makes sense to me that that it would be Kevin. I think that's probably where this is going to end up once we get to who knows when. I don't know when he's going to announce it. He's going to get asked about it a hundred times between now and whenever he does. So he should just say it. But um, I, I think it makes sense for it to be Kevin. So 
let's get to the other bit of news today, and that's Deshaun Watson. Uh, him and Ken Dorsey, or Kevin and Ken Dorsey, are going to go out to L.A. to visit Deshaun next week. So just kind of a chance to do a little meet and greet, I guess, Mary Kay, for, for Ken and Deshaun, who haven't really gotten a chance to do that yet. Yeah, you know, I plan on doing a take on this, but I think it's a really great idea. It's reminiscent of when Kevin Stefanski did this in 2020. He flew down to Austin and he visited with Baker Mayfield and they got to know each other. And that's important. You want to get things started on the right foot. And Ken Dorsey and Deshaun Watson have never met each other before. I think there were probably offensive coordinator candidates that Deshaun Watson would have loved to have had. But he doesn't know Ken Dorsey. Now, he's excited about Ken Dorsey because one of his very best friends was coached by Ken Dorsey in Cam Newton. And Deshaun Watson also really admires the game of Josh Allen. And Ken Dorsey coached Josh Allen. He coached Cam to an NFL MVP, Josh to a runner-up award. And so, you know, when he heard that Ken Dorsey wanted wanted to restore him to greatness and to be an elite quarterback, you know, I mean, he was so excited about hearing that. And I think it's going to be great for those guys to get together, to put their heads together, and just, now they're not allowed to talk football per se. They have to talk big picture. Right. But still, just getting to know someone, knowing that someone believes in you and that they know what they're doing when they're working with you is going to go a long way. Yeah, I kind of took a cursory glance through the CBA, and it's like you basically can't coach the guy. Like, they can't sit down and say, Deshaun, we want you to do this. Or if you're going to get the receivers together, we want you to run, like, these routes and work on that. They have to sort of avoid some of that stuff, at least wink-wink avoid some of that stuff. Um, so, you know, whatever. It's it's just an opportunity to build that relationship because it's the most important relationship on the football team for the most important player. Yeah, I think that stuff really matters. And I think some people might roll their eyes at that and be like, well, how much can that really matter? How important can it actually be? I think it matters a lot. I mean, we've seen plenty of quarterbacks come through Cleveland and not have respect for the person or people coaching them and how well that has worked out in the past. I mean, obviously, the most recent example is when Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski were butting heads towards the end of Baker's tenure here. I do think that... It matters, like, what those relationships are like in the building and everything like that. Even though it can't be that specific coaching going on, there's still going to be, you know, some element of the game, you know, talking, like you said, wink-wink in generalities, that sort of thing. kind of reminds me, like, if you played a high school sport ever when they're like, oh, open gyms are, they're not <laughs> mandatory. They can't be mandatory, right? Everyone knows they're mandatory when you're playing a high school sport. That's, you know, similar kind of rules, just no CBA involved in that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, like Mary Kay, Kevin is really, I think he's good at that relationship building. I think he understands, especially after last year, how important it is to have everybody on the same page, everybody pulling in the same direction. And honestly, for Deshaun, I'm sure even though he was around and, you know, he was with the team, there, it was probably hard to feel super connected to everything that was going on because he couldn't impact the games on Sundays or Thursdays or whenever they were being played. And so you're kind of trying to bring Deshaun now back into the fold and just, you know, you want to make him feel valued and you want to make him feel like, yeah, we still believe in you. We believe you are, you're our guy. 
maybe that's unspoken, but like sometimes it feels good when somebody actually just says what we all know to be true. So I, I think there's a little bit of that here too. I think so too. And I think it's also an opportunity for Deshaun Watson to be heard. And I think that's important. I think he needs to be heard. I think he needs to express himself. I think it's a chance for him to say, you know what? Maybe I would like you to go try to trade for T. Higgins, even though he was franchised. Or I would like you to go out and try to get a Gabe Davis or a Calvin Ridley. Uh, I think it's a, an opportunity for him to also, you know, tell Ken Dorsey and Kevin Stefanski what he likes or what he doesn't like in terms of an offense. Because now you're bringing in someone who has new ideas, new thoughts, new vibes on this whole thing. And, and he needs to give his input. He cannot just sit back. It's speak now or forever hold your peace. It's time for him to really express himself on what is going to work for him. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's spend a little bit more time on the, uh, you know, another piece of news. We've talked about it a little, the Greenbrier, but I do think Kevin for the first time sort of expanded as much as Kevin will about why he wanted to do this. And I thought, Ashley, that it was interesting. He basically admitted that when they left the Greenbrier, he was pretty convinced they wanted to go back. He didn't say it was immediate, but he kind of knew right away that it was a good experience and it was something he wanted to replicate uh, going into 2024, even before that that kind of magical run started, I, I thought that was I thought it was interesting that he sort of laid that out today. Yeah, I wonder why. Like, I still kind of do wonder why, though. It took him this long to admit that because <laughs> I mean, we were sitting around a fire pit at a random Fairfield Inn in Lewisburg, West Virginia, in August, talking about how we're probably going to be back here next year. We were making <laughs> jokes about it back then. I mean, it just seemed that this is where it was headed. And I do think, as we heard throughout the year, different guys get asked about things like team chemistry and bonding and what makes this group so different because guys would make those kind of blanket statements and you try to get them to elaborate a little a little bit. And without any of us directly asking about the Greenbrier, these guys would almost always bring up the Greenbrier. I said this before, but it was just constant. You never stopped hearing about it. And I do think, you know, even though there are some guys, you know, like we've talked about at different phases of their life that have families that probably aren't going to be too crazy about having to pack up and go spend 10 days away from home again. I think the proof for them was kind of in the pudding last year that that bonding helped create chemistry. And now, you know, they're, Kevin was honest today. You're not going to replicate everything, right? It's not necessarily going to be directly responsible for wins, but it had an impact there, and I think that mattered to them a lot. Yeah, he did go out of his way to say, you know, that that's maybe not why we went 11 and six. But and I'm paraphrasing; he didn't exactly say it this way, but he didn't want to credit it for the wins and for the season they had. But you could tell that it was something that hit. And look, we don't get this from Kevin during the season. He doesn't like to be reflective. He doesn't like to be reflective anytime, but at least on a day like today, he's a little more willing to 
I guess, get into and analyze some of his his decisions as much as he decides he wants to. We don't get this kind of Kevin during the season. And I just think, I don't think he wanted to sit there and take credit for things during the regular season, Mary Kay. Honestly, I don't think he wanted to sit there and pat himself on the back and say, well, the Greenbrier really worked. What a great idea I had there. And even today, he was sort of crediting other things, you know, staff and whatever mystical bonding powers, no cell service in West Virginia. So he, he just never really wants to make it about himself. And I think that was a big part of why he wasn't super forthcoming about it during the season. Yeah, he never wants to make it about himself. I mean, my goodness, he just won NFL Coach of the Year. And we would be very hard-pressed to get anything out of him about that. It's never about Kevin. Uh, but I do have to wonder, what if they had lost maybe one more game and didn't make the playoffs? <laughs> you know, do you go back to the Greenbrier? Did it not work because you lost one more game? It would have been the process versus results. Right? Game. I mean, what if Jake Moody makes the kick? <laughs> again? You know, when they played the San Francisco 49ers and they only won 10 games instead of 11 and didn't make... You know what I mean? So the the margins in this business are so very razor thin. But if you think something really worked and it helped you get to where you wanted to go and it helped you achieve your goals, then you're going to try to duplicate that kind of success. And I think that's what he's going for here. Okay, real quick, we're a little crunched on time tonight here. So just this NFLPA report card comes out today. Um, one thing that did stand out to me, even though they didn't do a good job of presenting this, I thought, because they made the rankings sort of prominent, <laughs> J.C. Treader in his letter about the, the rankings said, pay more attention to the grades than where a team is ranked. So like a team could have a B-, minus. Kevin Stefanski as head coach had a B-, minus. that's still a good grade. Um, but still, we all get caught up in rankings and stuff. But did anything surprise did anything surprise you on that, Mary Kay? I think for me, I mean, the weight room was an issue. Kevin said they're building a new weight room. That's been an issue since COVID when they moved it out of the building. Um, so we kind of knew that. But was there anything that kind of surprised you uh, when, when you saw that report card and what was in it? You know, two things, actually. One was treatment of families, mm -hmm. because I know the Browns are so big on family. Andrew Barry has a family with young children. Kevin Stefanski has three school-age children, and I know that family is important. We always see ownership's family and children around, so that part... On the sideline. Yes. <laughs> so that part really surprised me. And then the other thing was travel. Here we are talking about the Greenbrier and spending a week in Philadelphia and spending a week in Los Angeles. And here these players are complaining about the travel. And I think a lot of it was that they don't all have first class seats or they don't, or they sometimes have to share a room on the road. So I think it was more so that than actually being at the Greenbrier for 10 days or being in Philadelphia for a week or being at UCLA for a week. Uh, but those two things surprised me. Yeah, I think Sometimes, some of it I wonder, and I don't want to delegitimize all of it, but some of it I do wonder is like traveling sucks, even if you're an NFL player and you know, you got however many people you got to throw in. This isn't an NBA roster. This is a huge roster. You've got to get on these airplanes. So I, I wonder if that's part of, part of that too. The families thing was interesting, but I sort of feel like this way with the facility and I feel this way a little bit with the stadium, right? Which we've been taught, which has been a big subject, um, some of it's just outdated. I know they redid that locker room recently, but I bet if they could do it again, it would be bigger. It would have more space. And as they expand that facility, maybe we'll see a more updated, bigger locker room. So I think there's that. And frankly, 
the stadium, you're kind of running out of places to put people and you're running out of places to have meet and greets. Now, should it be in a tent outside in the middle of winter? Probably not, but I think some of this Ashley might be some of what they have is a little bit antiquated and it just, they're trying to get a new stadium and I'm sure that'll be a priority if, if they manage to do that or at least get that thing renovated. Yeah. That sound, reading the report card was interesting in looking at the breakdown specifically, right? Because it highlights common complaints players had or common things they liked, things they wish were different. And the family thing was exactly that, that, that this is the only stadium, I believe it said, that doesn't have a dedicated family room so. in the stadium, in the league. Or it's one of the um, few. It's one of the few. It's, you know, one of the only times that players notice this on the Browns. And, yeah, complaining about that tent in the parking lot where their families are. That was the biggest complaint. And the other one was if they came off the field, if they had to get carted if, off the if field. If they got carted off early in the season, they, were, yeah. they weren't they were able to contact their family members from the locker room. Yeah. So, But it sounds like that got fixed. Yeah, it sounds like that got fixed. So that was all interesting. And um, it does seem like this idea of personal space and having enough of it, to your point, Dan, is at the heart of a lot of these complaints. It's what we heard in the locker room, that it's one of the smallest locker rooms at the facility, too, um, that players don't feel a lot of times like they even have room to get dressed and undressed comfortably. The planes were a similar thing. The hotel room, sharing the hotel room sometimes was a similar thing. So it sounded like, for the most part, that that was at the heart of a lot of those complaints. If you're looking at a commonality from one thing, I think guys just want to have more space, want to be able to spread out. I think that's especially true for veterans who, you know, haven't spent, they're not the Joel Batonios of the team who only know this, right? They've spent time elsewhere and they kind of know that, hey, maybe in some of these areas, the grass is greener in some of these other places. Yeah. And one of the weird things is the Haslam's got the best grade of all the Browns grades. Now, it wasn't ranked high. They were like the 17th ranked owners, but they got the best grade. And the reasoning given was investment in facilities. So... That was a little bit of a disconnect. And again, I think it comes down to we've seen what it's like around Berea. There's houses getting knocked down and like they're buying a bunch of property there. They're going to expand that facility one way or another. Um, and that probably mean, means a bigger locker room stadium. Like I said, that probably means more player friendly facilities, things like that. So I think a lot of this stuff will get fixed. Um, I I didn't read it and think, oh, man, the Browns are a mess. Mm -hmm. They're not the Bengals. So I, th I think they're going to spend money, and I think they're going to get things fixed. Okay, uh, quick edition here of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Find us on Instagram. Search Orange and Brown Talk on YouTube. Search Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com. Become a football insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns. The blue banner at the top of the page. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>